You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 168 of the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, uh, brought to you by our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, well-endowed, extremely desirable Patreon patrons. Thank you so much, and thank you to the equally well-endowed GameMat.eu for supporting the show and giving you beautifully pre-painted terrain and game mats. Hmm, go figure. Today, we are discussing... What I think 10th edition should look like, what I would change about 9th to make 10th, and that is a letter from Kevin. And we're also discussing the Blood Bowl team, the Slaughter Skull Butchers, or whatever their name is for Blood Bowl. And we are also discussing, that's the one that, want that, not them. We have a real talk with the Pimcron, discussing that time I turned to chaos, and what you can look forward to when you yourself turn to chaos. What have I been up to? You all ask. I hear you say it. I just heard it again. Some of you were later than others. You didn't time it very well. Um, I have been doing a lot of Shorehammer prep. Um, we just had a paint party today. My friends TJ, Josh, and Matt came over. We painted a bunch of shite. And then my friend Matt and I played a game of Brutality where he beat the ever-loving snot out of me. Oh my gosh, it was 12 to 6 or 11 to 6. He really beat me bad. Um, there's a lot of things that did not go my way. Um, I made some tactical errors when I, I mean, they weren't bad at the time, but knowing the outcome, they were bad. <laughs> have you ever done that where you're like, oh, well, if I knew I would have whiffed all my attacks, then I probably should have done this instead or something like that. Um, yeah, he was firing on all cylinders and I really wasn't. So he beat me bad. Um, this week at the game store, we, oh, I've been editing the brutality supplement too. Um, I'm getting, I'm trying to get five or 10 pages done a day out of the 80 pages. So it's, I got to sit down, get my marker, get my tea or my kombucha and sit in the chair and, and uh, mark stuff through. This week at the club, I played the Brutal Space demos with Connor and Derek. Um, that's my spaceship game based off of Brutality, but it's just different mechanics for fleet battles. And both of them gave it high marks, and they both said they actually may like it regular than more than regular Brutality, which is high praise, and I appreciate it. I also really love this mode, so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm actively redoing the rules to make Brutal Space. So I'm probably 60-70% done with making those rules, to be honest with you. And um, I actually got to play a game of Age of Sigmar with Just James. And I tried my Ossiarch Bone Reapers for the first time. And he played his Lumineth Realm Lords. And this is one of those games, come to find out, it was one of the closest games I've had in a very, very long time. But... When his giant moose boy mountain man came up with the hammer and just straight up did 10 unsaved damage to my Mortech guard in one turn, I was like, oh, this game is over. And that was in turn two. It was it was not pretty. Um, and I was like, OK, well, this is not going to go well. But actually, I had Arcan the Black and um, who is actually Skeletor on a mount. I, I kit bashed that model. And actually, my whole army is is painted like Skeletor. It's like Skeletor's Legion. And um, he Arcan the Black is not a melee beast, but he's pretty durable, and he can heal people, and he's got a lot of spells, and um, he knows all of the spells in that book. So um, there's 
he's he's got a lot of utility to him, and um, he kind of saved the day there. Uh, my, I'm gonna forget the words. The something something stalkers, whatever they're called, Necropolis stalker. No, that's Tomb Kings. I forget what they're called. But this is the first game I ever played with my Osiric Bone Reapers, and shockingly enough, we were able to. He was trying to get to my um bone ties nexus right that's the mission we were playing out of the bone reaper book and he had to kill it well he had a bunch of those shining archer people for the lumineth sitting in the backfield and he had all his hammer boys and his big moose uh run up and uh it's a cow i know and uh run up and smash me in the butt and it hurt and uh but we were actually able using arcan and uh my morgast archai and a bunch of things from my bone reapers we actually were able to repel them and kill them. So at the very last turn, he had to run his archers up and... Uh, no, the turn before last. He had to run all of his archers up and get some of them in base contact with his objective. And then the last turn, he ran the rest of them up. And we were going by number of hit points or whatever around the base at the end of the game. So we had to uh, charge into him as hard as we could into those archers and they're not melee monsters. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but it was down to the very last activation of the very last turn. And we actually did turn around and end up winning. One of the big things that really did help me was Arcan's um, curse of ages spell where you pick a unit and you roll 10 dice and any roll of a six deals them a mortal wound. And then you pick up those sixes and roll them again, and a five up deals a mortal wound. And any of those five ups you roll, you pick them up again, and four ups deal another mortal wound. And you keep rolling them until you don't roll any applicable ones, and ones always fail. So I was able to do like five or six mortal wounds on that, I'm going to keep calling a moose, on that moose in one turn. And that was fantastic. That's actually what ended up killing them. And what was also uh, ended up killing those archers, I did four or five mortal wounds on them as well and was able to clear a bunch of them out with that spell. So Arcan the Black is not a joke. I don't usually even take named characters, but I don't have that many points for that army anyway. I, I played with every single painted model I have, and it was a 1,050 uh, points, I think. Um, so Arcan was a, is a little tough to be bringing in that small points. But then again, he brought his moose, so whatever. But uh, we had a great game. That was a fantastic game. And uh, it spurred me to be like, oh, I want to paint more uh, Bone Reapers. So that's what I'd be doing. So anyway, let's get on to the next segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. This is the Tesseract mailbox. Doo -doo -doo. Today we have a Facebook message from Kevin. And he writes, Hello, Mr. Pimp. Oh, please, Kevin. Mr. Pimp was my father's name. Call me Kron. You complain a lot about 9th edition. <gasps> now that I, Not that I'm complaining, but what would you do different? I feel like I read that and it gave off the wrong vibe. You complain a lot about 9th edition. Not that I'm complaining, but what would you do different? This is not a challenge, just that I'm interested in hearing what you would do to improve the game. Let me phrase it another way. What would your 10th edition look like? I personally think 9 is fun and engaging, but I'm interested to hear what you think. Well, Kevin, I already kind of gave you that answer because uh, we discussed it on Facebook, but I will tell every... So you know what? I'm not answering on the air. 
So, Kevin, you got your answer. That's the end of the Tesseract mailbox. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, if I had my druthers, what would I do about 9th edition? Um, first off, I would entirely get rid of the um, doctrines and the protocols, that whole thing. I would get rid of it completely. I would keep chapter tactics, and I would keep the things that you could do once per game, or, you know, those, um, I think, I think in Necrons it's called Techno Arcana, where, like, the Cryptex can, for 15 points, they can do this once per game, or whatever. I think that's totally fine, because a lot of it's once per game, or it's just on one model, and there's no complexity to it. Um, I think I would give some more generic stratagems and essentially cut down on the stratagems altogether. I personally like when a stratagem can be used for multiple different units, and that gives it a lot more flexibility than just one unit. Um, I think they have done that more in 9th edition. I think I would just make almost all stratagems generic so that it's, you know, reroll ones to hit in close combat or whatever you want, but that way you could use it for literally any unit. And that enables you to make uh, subpar units into something that's actually useful. And um, so you could you could have a choice of when exactly to use that. And um, so I would, as far as things I would actually get rid of, I would completely get rid of the doctrines and the protocols. I would, I think they do not add a single thing to the game. And I think it's just a compounded issue. Um... That is really my biggest complaint about this game. Uh, I think the force organizational chart, the detachments and all, I think that's totally fine. Um, I think the command phase stuff is fine. I think some armies rely, like Admech, rely too much on the command phase. I think it gets really complex. Essentially, what I would do is strip away a good portion, let's say 40% or 50% of the complexity in this game, I would strip away. And I'm not talking about unit complexity. I would actually, I would not mind unit complexity more than um, whole army complexity. Now, I don't think the army, the units need to be any more complex, but I think they're adequately complex. A lot of them have unique war gear. A lot of them have unique uh, unit abilities, that sort of thing. I think the warlord traits are fine. I think I would reduce the stratagems and make them more generic. And um, that's part of it with the stratagems is they you have like like 30 stratagems or something. It's like it's like 40. It's a lot of stratagems. And um, just trying to remember what you can do when and all. It's just so complex. It's essentially anything I could do to keep you from looking through your rules constantly is what I would do. That's, that's essentially what I would do. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's basically it. I mean, I think most of the game is pretty good, but I just think it's way, you know, it's, it's not like one single thing in ninth edition is super complex. I just find that it's death by a million cuts. I think it's like, oh, there is 17 different rules interactions right now. And then I have to interact with your rules interactions. And it's just so complex. Um, so that's what I would change. I know that's a little bit of a vague answer, um, but that's essentially what I told you on the messenger as well. Anyway, thank you very much, Kevin, for writing in. And, uh, I just want more simplicity. Like I said, go back to eighth edition. Eighth edition really was a lot like ninth, but it was just simpler. And that's what I would like. That way I'd, I knew all my rules, didn't have to look it up and 
all of that. That might sound lazy, but whatever. At this juncture, I think I'll stop talking because I feel like this is a broken record. I say this fairly frequently. So let's get on to the next segment. Want that or want that not? Hey, it's time for Want That or Want That Not. Today, I just got back from the generic store. The store that only has non-name brand things. The store that only sells generic medicine. The store that has never even heard of name brand products. And you know what they sell there in the toys section? They sell Corn Blood Bowl Team, the Skull Tribe Slaughterers. Everything about this team for Blood Bowl just screams mediocrity, screams blah, and screams uh, just, I don't know, corn in a football outfit Uh, sure that's what it screams i'm not trying to be overly negative but this is the i fell asleep twice while i was looking at a picture of this i'm not lying to you i've actually been having trouble sleep lately sleeping and i printed out a picture of this blood bowl team boom right out out like a light my youngest daughter is scared of the dark i get her to read the list of key features watch A Blood Bowl team somehow more bloodthirsty than the rest. (laughs) Games Workshop. Ultraviolent bruisers supported by... (sighs) Agile Beastmen. Bedecked with brass collars. And crimson armor. (sighs) Maul your... Oh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, so this is a corn blood bowl team I'm covering, right? Yeah, there you go. I just, I think I just dozed off again. I hope I wasn't out too long. This is exact. If just picture a corn blood bowl team, okay? Corn themed football players. Yep, those are the miniatures. What do you picture in your head? You picture some guys with some shoulder pads. And some some leg pads, and some shin pads, and a helmet, a helmet with the little bunny ears for corn, and then you know spice things up. Some people don't have a shirt, and then they're painted red. Maybe some spikes. Yup, yup, that's them. You you know what they look like now. There is no interesting feature on these. These are the most generic thing ever. This is the Equate brand. No, no, that's even too specific. I don't know. They're just they're just terrible. They really are. They are so inoffensive and so unimaginative that I actually have been called in by friends to take a look at the dump they just left in the toilet. Like, oh my god, this thing's six feet long. Come take a look at this. That were far far more interesting and less offensive than this football team. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I am not a fan of this football team. And what's ironic that, like, you know, have you ever heard that phrase, like, it's better to be loved or hated, but to not be cared about is the worst or something like that. It's a lot of celebrities live by that. A lot of um professional wrestlers. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, corn blood bowl team. Anyway, the, a lot of professional wrestlers go by this mantra 
And, you know, as long as the audience loves you or hates you, they at least something you, right? Hate is not the opposite of love. Apathy is the opposite of both hate and love. And I have never felt such true apathy. There is a man somewhere in the world named Roger T. Dinglesmith. And I am far more interested and care so much deeper about that random man somewhere on the planet who's probably just now eating a hot dog for dinner or maybe breakfast. I don't know where he is. Somewhere on the planet, that man is infinitely more interesting than this football team. This football team is a horrible marriage of some intern that is unpaid being able to design a football team. And at the end, they're like, oh, wait, these are just regular football players you designed. Oh, that doesn't fit. How about we throw some spikes on it? Ah, that's the ticket. Wait, wait, I don't recall us adding the word skull anywhere, or slaughter for for that matter. You know what? Let's call them the Skull Tribe Slaughterers. There you go. And my question for that is, did they slaughter the Skull Tribe? Or are they the Skull Tribe? It sounds like they murdered the Skull Tribe. And I'm willing to bet you 10 shiny nickels that the Skull Tribe was infinitely more interesting looking than this... Horrible Blood Bowl team. (laughs) It may sound like I'm mad. It's just so stupid. I guess now that I'm done taking the piss out of this team, um, everything I've said is 100% true. There is nothing unique about them. Do you know what you could have done with Chaos? You could have given them... uh, mutations you could have given them tentacles you could have given them razor sharp claws you could have had horns coming out of their heads you could have even the beast men i didn't know that they were beast men until it told me they were beast men there's a couple people that are shirtless here and i'm like bfd and then i'm like oh wait a second one of them has some horns lottie freaking da And then there's two people that are bent over. And by the way, it's just the same model. It's two of the same model. And he actually looks somewhat like a minotaur because the back of his ankles like snapped. You know how animals have like a backwards whatever. It just, good God. I I can't stop yawning at this. And then they've got all the typical skull tribe slaughterers. As if anybody is looking at this going, Oh, dear God, this is the coolest, edgiest thing. Did you see? Skull Tribe Slaughterers. Wow. Ultra-violent bruisers supported by Agile Beast Men. Fantastic. No. So, like I said, I I really wish I hated this team. Like, if they were horribly built, if they were horribly designed... I would be so much happier. If they were amazingly, intricately designed with all sorts of character, I would be much happier. But the fact that these things exist and they take up space on a shelf and they are just the epitome of lackluster, unimaginative, mediocre schlock, I'm I'm sad they take up a space on a shelf. And that somehow offends me more than if they were bad. They're, They're just... They are... Man... They are so so strongly a 5 out of 10 that it actually makes them a 3 or 4 out of 10. That's how bad it is. It's actually a detriment. They are so pasteurized. 
There's nothing gory about them. There's not a single thing gory. Sure, they got a spike or two. Okay. One guy's got like a blade in his hand, like a, a short little hand blade. Okay. Nothing else screams anything about this. If they didn't have the bunny ears, you would have absolutely no idea that this is a corn army. And by the way, only four of them have the bunny ears. It's not even like an army-wide thing. This is just a complete and utter disappointment. So it's $40 for this team. They're on pre-order, and I say absolutely want that not. Uh, I'm going to use that phrase that I hate that everyone throws around because it's so generic and doesn't mean anything, and it signals something without actually giving you any specifics, and it's such a trigger word, but I feel like this generic, stupid, pasteurized phrase that truly means nothing is the only way to reply to this extremely boring football team, okay? Do better, Games Workshop. Do better. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey, dear listener, this is Real Talk with the Pentcron, and have I ever spoken to you about that one time that I fell in love with the Trader Legion's book? This was back uh, many, many years ago. I forget how many. And uh, essentially, the Trader Legion's book was a great supplement for Chaos Space Marines, and it gave you all sorts of different chapters and things like that. And unfortunately, it kind of got to my head. This was back before, this was in 7th edition, back before 8th edition and all the different chapter tactics and all that. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you because, you know, it's, it's a dark time in my history, but I don't want any of you to fall to the same issues I did with the love of a codex, okay? So all of it started innocent enough. I stopped playing Vanilla Marines back in 5th edition because they were so blah at the time. I converted them all to Chaos Marines, and I had been happy ever since. But that new Trader Legions book had changed everything. The first couple times I looked through it, I kind of felt all tingly in my antenna. I'm a robot after all. I knew something strange was going on, but I wasn't sure what. As the days passed on, I felt more and more in love with this book. It knew me, what I liked, what I disliked. The book picked me up when I was down and made me feel good. It was a drug I just couldn't stop. I was constantly asking it, why can't I quit you? And things quickly became became a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of situation where I'd meet with it at clandestine locations, wearing a trench coat and speaking in hushed tones. My family couldn't know how much that book meant to me. And it would allow my army to be anything I wanted it to be. It would do whatever I could think of, and even things that I couldn't think of. Suddenly, my army was a contortionist, pliable and trim. As the days passed, I began talking to the book. That's when things got weird. That's when I began acting strangely. If you don't count already having an affair with a book, I was quick to anger, and I was then tangled in a web of legal action against me. Why? Well... I punched a cashier at Walmart because Trader Legions fell out of my coat pocket, and he asked, get this, he asked if I needed to buy it, because he thought it was merchandise from the store. And I reacted how I think a lot of you probably would. I was instantly offended at him questioning my loyalty to the book right in front of it. So, I hit him. 
Um, a little later, my neighbor found me hiding in her bushes, and I was whispering to the book, and she asked me what I was doing. So I threw a rock at her window and told her she had other things to worry about now, and to mind her own business. I also started developing a rash on my back, which is interesting. Then I started talking to demons. It wasn't until day five that Legion came to talk to me. I was shaving my face in the mirror one morning when the mirror went dark. Suddenly, a horned purple face came through it, smiling. His name was Legion, and he was the spirit of the Traitor Legion's book. We talked, laughed, and discussed the best ways to flay a human. It was a bonding experience, and we are now pen pals via Ouija board. The funny thing is, none of this struck me as strange. But then again, Legion said he knew my old imaginary friend Morark. Morark was the one who convinced me to burn down an empty school bus when I was a kid. Good times. That's when I noticed that my back was starting to itch more and more, and I just assumed it was dry skin. So the next thing that happens when you kind of turn to chaos is you realize it's happening, but at that point you can't pull away. So my back started itching to the point that I had to get my wife to apply lotion to it. Legent wasn't happy that I involved her, but being a book, I wa he wasn't in much of a position to help me. When she saw my bare back in the bathroom, she screamed. I asked what was wrong, and she told me I had an eight-pointed star rash on my back that was welting up. For some reason, that's when it all started adding up. I had a pretty nasty argument with the Trader Legion's book, and uh, the cops were called. When they picked up the book, presumably to put it in jail, my mascara started to run, and I screamed, Don't hurt him! I love him! The book was inexplicably wearing a white tank top undershirt and smoking a cigarette. It had a bottle of Colt 45 in one hand. It scowled at me and told me all of this was my fault. I knew I couldn't live without that book. I had to make a choice. So I snatched the book out of the officer's hand and I took off running with my love. They didn't even chase me because, well, I was the one who called them. And I was speaking in some sort of weird dialect they didn't know anyway. So they were pretty confused over the whole thing. They just kind of shrugged and watched me run off with this book. They said every week it's something different with this Pimpcron guy. Last week we got a call and he said that his, uh, his hamster was judging him. And he got in a fist fight with it. Week before that he said his macaroni and cheese was judging him. So anyway you eventually once you start succumbing to chaos you end up growing a tentacle which to be honest does not have that many drawbacks you think it would it really doesn't so of course by now all of this has settled down now dear listeners okay don't worry about me my life is back to normal and i'm happy to put all of that behind me the traitor legion's book and I live behind a mattress store now and live off of scraps from the Panera Be Bread uh, restaurant nearby. So you should try their wild rice soup. It's pretty good. Admittedly, it's probably better when it's hot and not being scooped out of the bottom of a paper bag from a dumpster. But whatever. And like I said, I grew a tentacle. At first, it did take some getting used to, but it does come in handy when turning the pages of my Trader Legion's book. Also... It's my wiping tentacle because it grew out from where that nasty chaos rasp was on my back. So, I mean, really, I don't have to worry about washing my hands anymore. And see, this is the testament to just how deep our love goes. That Traitor Legion's book has not been applicable for probably five years.
and we're still going strong. I mean, we have a common law marriage, and um, unfortunately, th- now this is one of the major travesties um, in in the U.S. Um, there's many groups of people that can marry, but it is still illegal in 45 states for a man to marry a codex. Think about that for a second. That is, you think that this is you know 2021 and we're all uh, progressive and you know, accepting of different lifestyles, but I still can't marry this book. So I just want to throw that out there, but yeah, we're still going strong. So I, uh, I guess I'll see you guys at, um, I guess I'll see it Shorehammer coming up soon. And, uh, oh, you might actually see the codex. Um, the Trader Legion's codex actually got legal custody of my children. Um, I wasn't allowed to have it because they said I was crazy for falling in love and eloping with a book, but, the book actually had a clear background check. So it actually got custody of my kids. So I get to see them. Uh, the book doesn't think it's super healthy for me to see the kids that often. So it doesn't really allow me full access to them. But I, I think it's a pretty good setup. And um, my kids are only marginally mentally and emotionally scarred over this whole thing. So I think I think that's fine. Anyway, I think that's enough nonsense for this episode. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show. We love you so much. And do you know who we love even more? Our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much, each and every one of you. LT and Brandon and Leroy Jenkins and Mike and all the people. Mandy and Nate and Grendel and... uh. Uh, Aaron, and this is off the top of my head, sorry, I'm not good at lists, but the point is, thank you all so much for supporting the show. We love you. See you next week.